Welcome and thank you for joining this week in Our American Republic for our inaugural episode. At the time of recording, it's Sunday afternoon on January 27th, so please forgive any inconsistencies with any news developments that occur after recording. Yeah, it moves so fast these days. Yeah, we can't keep up. We're just a couple of amateurs. My name is Henry, and I'm joined by Percy. Thanks for having me. And we're going to embark on reviewing the top stories of the last week and how they fit in with the country we've grown up in and what we see around us. Hopefully, few hot takes. More cold takes? Yep. We're trying to have balanced room temperature takes over. Oh, yeah. 70 degrees is Mm -hmm. the perfect amount. Well, 68 for me. All right. You know what? Don't have to disagree right off the bat. We're bringing different perspectives. One says 70, one says 68, and we'll maintain that throughout. We'll we'll, we'll meet in the middle. Mm, Maybe. So, Percy, do you want to share what we're going to be talking about? Oh, I would love to share what's going down. Um, So today, three topics we're going to talk about. Number one, 35-day shutdown ended just two days ago. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. It was a fascinating development. It really dragged on until it didn't, and we're about where we were when it begun. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait to talk about it again in three weeks. Yes. And after we discuss that, we're going to touch upon the other national crisis happening down in Venezuela between President Nicolas Maduro and the opposition president, Juan Guaido. After we deal with that, we're going to come back up to the states and deal with Roger Stone's indictment. This is exciting uh, because all of these topics today really uh, hit home the point of, you know, kind of totalitarianism in today's world. Mm -hmm. A poor grip of having a national federal government, which is ineffective down in Venezuela, as evidenced by hyperinflation, but also ineffective because we just had a completely... Well, I completely useless sounds way too hot a take, but yeah, the deal that was accepted and signed by President Trump on Saturday after being passed by the House and the Senate on Friday afternoon is essentially a clean temporary spending measure that's identical to the one we thought he would sign the week of December 18th in yeah. 2018. So it was 35 days just to get to what we had at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Saturday, yesterday, Trump signed the bill to reopen the government after 35 days. It guarantees funding for three weeks and paves the way for additional negotiations over Trump's desire to fund construction on a border wall. And he got a lot of kickback from folks in his own party on Thursday when there were two votes in the Senate to either open the government with over $5 billion of spending for the wall or have a three-week clean resolution with no funding, what was agreed to the next day. Mm. And in the cloakroom off the side of the Senate chambers, there were senators going after Majority Leader Mitch McConnell as well as Vice President Pence, who was there. And they were saying, you need to end the shutdown. Look what you're doing. You did this to the country you've enabled the president's tantrum to be enacted and don't think they said tantrum but uh yes that will say tantrum well i think it's okay to say it's a tantrum because he threw it 35 days ago 
and now has just given up on it because there are a bulk of air traffic controllers who called out sick to the point where LaGuardia had to halt flights this past Friday morning. Yeah, what do you think the main factor was in him finally deciding to crack? I think when you have flights halted at one of the New York airports, that's huge. Yeah. Because that has vast economic implications. If that's dragged out, the airlines are going to suffer. You're clogging up traffic and the flow of humans, and it gets to be a kind of boiling point alarm when, because of government inaction or inefficiency, the flow of humans freely through the country is disturbed. Yeah. I think just to say that sentence is... (laughs) Like, that's a government interfering in the freedom of its people. Oh, 100%. Do you think it might uh, affect his poll numbers? Because they do not look good. Well, I think that's been another factor as you have the chaos happening in federal services like the FAA, like the FBI, where they weren't able to pay their snitches this past (laughs) week. No one's really concerned with the snitches. Yeah. Why doesn't anyone care about the rats and all this? There were also firefighters who are funded by the National Park Service who fight the blazes that are ever more current in California. They weren't able to hire and do trainings, which is very crucial in the off-season when you don't have a blaze. So what was it called? Uh, 25% were they considered non-essential? Well, it did vary throughout. If you're an essential employee, that meant health, livelihood and safety of people are dependent on you showing up to work and so if you were called to work like the many tsa workers were you were required to show up but you would not be paid in the normal time there were bills passed throughout the shutdown saying oh we guarantee back pay but also at this point they haven't guaranteed back pay for the contractors which is a huge portion as well that's a huge deal i mean that's a huge also economic deal i mean how many people would be affected by this quite a few yep and the number is for this 25 percent shutdown it was over 800,000 federal employees but when you include the contractors it gets to be well above a million people and it's not just people wow when you say that it's not just people who maybe helping to keep a federal courthouse running. But these are also folks with graduate degrees and PhDs who work for the Department of Agriculture to help farms across the country improve their crop yields. These are also economists from the Treasury who are working on giving economic data. So even as the shutdown dragged on and had an effect on people not paying their bills, people not buying as they would, knowing they have a paycheck, we don't even have the ways to properly measure how that's affected the economy. So wow. I think in the next three weeks, hopefully there's not another shutdown, but we will see more clearly how this is affecting things. Yes, yeah, big effect on the economy, big effect mm-hmm. on Trump's you know, ego at this point. Yeah, and I think that 35-day mark is so crucial because it's just over a month. You have people who inevitably had trouble paying rent, paying bills, It's not a short period of time. But then there are also people in the administration, like Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, who said, I don't see why people go to a food bank. They can just take out a loan. And that's great. There have been wonderfully creative private-public partnerships stepping up. Here in Connecticut, I'm thinking of what Governor Lamont organized with a variety of local banks led by Webster. 
but also so many federal employees who may be living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet don't have the credit to take out a loan. Yeah, that's just a ridiculous statement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, wh- it what are you going to do? It speaks to the privilege of being a multimillionaire. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but uh, on the, the effort of the uh, shutdown, got to talk about Ann Coulter and all of this and Hannity. Yes, because they did, take, they did this. Yep, taking a fault. time travel trip back to before Christmas in 2018. We had that deal that was passed by the Senate by voice vote, and there were senators singing Christmas carols and holiday songs on the floor, and they didn't even have to count the yeas or nays because they were just all on board, which is a rare thing. They passed this, and then they thought the House would take it up and the president would sign it, but then the president went back on his intent, largely because criticism from people like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and Ann Coulter, who has been very harsh in the past two months on the president. She Uh. criticized him at some point last month, calling him, I believe it was a clown. Yeah, And that was the offensive word. And he unfollowed her on Twitter, which there were articles about because, oh, oh, Mr. Cheeto unfollows Ma'am Coulter. That's insane. What, what's what's going on with her? I, I don't understand why she's going against Trump at this point. Well, because it seems like most of the other ones. this is too reductionist, but um, I would say it almost comes back to a status thing where she sees him as someone who's supposed to be the leader, the deal maker. He's claimed to be able to get this done saying he's the best he has the tools and she comes to this being a wealthy privileged new canaan resident oh she's from she's from new, new canaan. canaan wow the bastion of fairfield county that has provided many people to the trump administration wow, maybe i'll see her at a whole foods one of these days then maybe it's you exciting. do go to whole foods compulsively oh of course i mean everyone in fairfield county does yeah you know it's a, do it. it's a way to prove you're a good liberal by going prove to fear the whitest person around. Foods. But um, Ann Coulter, I feel, is looking at Trump, seeing an incompetent developer wannabe from Queens, whereas she thinks she's better, more intellectual from the suburbs, not from the city. And she is someone from the right who's still willing to call him out on this stuff. Sean Hannity described trump's speech ending the shutdown as saying he's still going to give us the wall he's holding firm but ann coulter said move over george hw bush we have a new wimpiest president which is just like a poor taste dig at a recently passed president it's also kind of strange that she wouldn't say a, a democratic president you know as wimpy yeah, well, I suppose that adds another layer to the insult to be like, you're the worst, and I'm remembering we have had Democrats. Yeah, I guess so. It's just kind of strange. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they hammered him to not accept the deal way back in December, but he's now accepted it. It seems he's had Hannity to kind of go along with his rationale. Yeah. Perhaps rationale is an overstatement. Well, he's just stepping in line, per usual. Yep, and it seems that reality and the realistic options for Trump and the Republican Party have gotten Donnie in line because he now isn't going forward with the shutdown. Well, yeah, there was really no choice, though. Honestly, I don't think Trump 
had a choice. I don't think that the media should have even tried to make him change his mind because they just have too much effect on him. It's just, this is just... It's been a vacuum on the whole media cycle circus for a Uh month, and it's hard to expect much from anyone when the people on top are just spinning the tires in the mud. I just want to know what Ann Coulter thinks is going to happen. Like, what is her... Does she have a strategy? Is this... I was just confused. I don't know, but it will be interesting to see how President Coulter steers the rest of the (laughs) legislative agenda. So true. Mm -hmm. Wow, I can't wait for her. 2020? Six seasons and a Coulter movie. I'm I'm so down. So let's move away from these stubborn D.C. streets and get down to Venezuela. Venezuela's long-standing political crisis expanded over the past week as a handful of countries led by the United States recognized opposition leader Juan Gallardo as the country's legitimate president. Look at that. That is a strange developing situation. Mm-hmm. Especially because the United States is standing with a group of countries I wouldn't expect given recent criticism of NATO and the whole America's first agenda. And, and look who's standing with Maduro against, you know, essentially what is Europe and the United States at this point. You've got China and Russia. What? Russia? You know, Trump's buddy, Putin over there? Well, that's a little too hot a take. Oh, good point. Okay, my bad. Alleged buddy. Yes, alleged buddy. Nothing's been proved yet. Mm-hmm. Later, we'll have more on that. But it is fascinating because when I take a step back and think about the idea of elected officials being disputed as illegitimate rulers and the international community tossing their hats in the ring saying, this is my opinion, I'm throwing my weight behind X, I'm throwing my weight behind Z. It seems like a story we've heard time and time again leading to American intervention. So true. Yeah, I mean, uh, Iran comes to mind. Iran, Iraq, Libya, Syria. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, essentially, American foreign policy for the last 30 years. It's a song. It's our piano, man. Yeah, it's it's very cute, Mm -hmm. you know. We think so. Yeah, it's uh, the United States opposing totalitarianism. But also cultivating right-wing figures throughout, like something we've seen in yeah. Egypt with Mubarak. Oh, 100%. I was, I was trying to be ironic there. Oh. They absolutely are not. You millennials with your irony. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting in this case because that's, I, I guess, been the argument. You know, oh, we're against totalitarianism, but mm-hmm. it's it's never really been that way. And I think the current administration kind of shows that clearly. Because mm-hmm. uh, right now, the difference between Trump and Maduro is uh, circumstance rather than personality. I It is a pleasant surprise that Trump's found a strongman leader that he doesn't agree with. Perhaps that socialist label is just too Bernie Sanders for him to affiliate with. Yeah. But maybe he also doesn't want another strongman on his continent and the south to the south of his continent, because I know where Venezuela is. Yes, of course. Um, But because it's all connected and he has this whole 
grasp of international travel based on land to land and throwing up walls in between. I think Venezuela is a little too close to have a strong socialist for his comfort. Yeah, it's interesting. So I guess we're going back to uh, the classic American policy in in South America, which is overthrow the socialist leader and input somebody else. But this one is an interesting case because Maduro is kind of like a uh, a military dictator in a lot of cases. Yes, he and Hugo Chavez, his predecessor and mentor, were able to nationalize a large degree of the economy through seizures by the military's force. Yeah. The military is key for them holding on power, but as hyperinflation just shows how out of control their government is, it's hard for the military to stand by that for so long. Yeah, but they, they're still supporting him. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting that no matter what's happening with their oil fields and how diminishing returns there and how bad the hyperinflation has gotten, they're still holding on to Maduro. Which perhaps is the shoe we're waiting to have drop. Because now with Juan Guiado declaring himself as the rightful president and a variety of international countries who have large numbers of their citizens living in Venezuela, this includes Italy, France, Spain, they're demanding that a new election is held within two weeks so that Juan Guiado would have a shot against Nicolas Maduro and hopefully we can have this decided by the pure-hearted democratic process and everyone will be happy. That always goes well when, you know, like every country in the world gets in on one election. It will never lead to a second more disputed, more heightened election. Oh, never, never. never. It'll never happen. This double dose of hefty irony brought to you by two millennials. It's exciting. And so I do feel we are waiting to see which way the military blows in Venezuela. Yeah, well, I mean, now that the, the timeline is so close, I mean, we are close now. Mm-hmm. Maybe how far away till the deadline Well, that Trump gave? The, oh, yes, because Trump and Nicolas Maduro had a little spat where Trump said we'd keep all our diplomats there, but then Nicolas Maduro wanted them expelled from the country. And that was 72 hours of a deadline on Thursday, so that would come due tomorrow. Yes, it would. So that's going to be interesting. And also we now have that two-week deadline for new elections. So things will be coming to a head right about as the U.S. is facing another partial government shutdown. That's that's incredible. Uh, but so this the, the, the first domino to fall maybe is tomorrow. Yes. And see how things go from there. I don't think that will be decisive like having a new election would be decisive. Right. But... There's a parallel I see here where perhaps there's a great risk of a hostage crisis. Because potential. thinking about presidencies that have been amongst a lot of chaos and not done too well, I think back to Jimmy Carter. Right. Granted, he had different perspectives and policies than President Trump. I think he rarely governed out of fear. But, but that might be too hot a take to yeah, throw on here. It's, yeah, whatever. But his big problem was the Iranian hostage crisis, and that caused Ted Kennedy to primary him in the 1980 election, which weakened his stance, and then Reagan took over after him, ending the crisis. 
Yeah, so, but in Venezuela specifically, do you see military intervention as an actual option for the United States at this point? Well, I don't think we should ever say it's not an option because we've done it so often. It is our piano man of at course, 1130. Yeah, it's the song the you are, you're always mm-hmm. playing. But do you think it's it's really going to happen in this case? I, I, I just don't see it on like a large scale this time. It's too big of a country. I think it's possible. And also, I wouldn't underestimate it happening because U.S. military action in Venezuela is something the president could unilaterally do. Mm. And at this stage in the Trump administration, I think he's going to be really grabbing at the shelves for anything he can do on his own to steer the media narrative and steer people's attention. I think that's a lot of what the shutdown was for 35 days, where the terms at the end were the same terms he was offered in the beginning. And if he could have the U.S. Marines go down to Venezuela to do something or to try and extradite Nicolas Maduro for prosecution or something funky. I, I feel like if they did do a military intervention in Venezuela, it's just kind of a Hail Mary at this point, just to kind of keep his reputation and his, you know, look on the world stage. I think it could happen. And perhaps yeah. we will be feeling very differently about this in two or three weeks. Yeah, it could really turn into a uh, shit show. I think you can say that. Phew. Please don't have your children listen to this. Oh, I know. Saying terrible things like that. Mm-hmm. So let's head back up north to... Not quite Washington, D.C., but Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Let me bring you to the early morning hours before dawn on Friday, January 25th. CNN reporters waiting outside Roger Stone's house observed the night before that Robert Mueller's grand jury was called on a Thursday evening, which is odd because they usually gather on Fridays. But... The grand jury gathered, they let out in the evening, and based on that activity, CNN producers thought there may be an indictment coming, and the person in the special counsel's crosshairs most recently has been Roger Stone. There have been multiple of Roger Stone's former colleagues who have come out in the past months saying they were interviewed by Robert Mueller about Roger Stone. Roger Stone has somewhat been openly taunting the Mueller investigation, saying he expected an indictment any time now, as far back as October 2018. And so it did come to a head. The media has kind of been expecting it. And CNN captured this pretty um, intimate footage of the FBI agents banging on Roger Stone's door, saying, FBI, warrant, he came out not in his typical pinstripe suit, but in pajamas, essentially. Mm. And at that point, the CNN crew was told to go back. They were just there on that tip, and they got this amazing footage. Right. Well, tip? You said you said tip there. Well, tip because they observed the grand jury convening. Ah, so you don't believe President Mr. Trump. Trump. Has, yeah. President Trump has posited that the fake Lion News media has colluded with the witch hunt to yeah the collusion with give the witch this hunt. bad media coverage but um i think the story about observing the grand jury convening 
is it's pretty, pretty believable. It's, it's believable. It also it doesn't really matter that much, does it? Yeah, I think my big takeaway is CNN is putting a lot of attention beyond the nine to five and to get in video footage that is clickbait essentially well i mean we're because talking about it i mean it works we are. for them you know but is this meaningful coverage over the institutions that hold our country strong no absolutely not uh, it's, it's like totally a snapshot ridiculous. of gossip it's yeah. so many degrees removed from a story that should be taught in a classroom i i mean it, increasingly basically every news source is taking its cues from tmz you know they're just trying to move units at this point but it, get viewers. it's a commodity, so we shouldn't be surprised, but I will always be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole coverage of it has become kind of just an absurdity, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, why do we need this 24-hour news cycle? I mean, I don't want to get too broad here, but specifically... But for with, the advertisers. The advertisers yeah. need the 24-hour news cycle, so yeah. people are always watching, so they can always be throwing the latest shill up. Yeah, but it, it, I think this really kind of exemplifies it. The discussion about CNN getting tipped off rather than doing uh, research and whatnot into the into the grand jury. Why is this even a discussion? Why is it not focused you're, more on the indictment? You're correct. It should be focused on the meat of the situation. And the significant thing that has occurred here is a longtime political advisor to the president who was working with his campaign and has worked with President Trump, as far back in the 90s, has been indicted. He was indicted on one count of obstruction of an official proceeding and five counts of false statements, as well as one additional count of witness tampering. These include lying and testimony to Congress, which some Republican representatives have expressed fear at. So uh, to kind of tie these all together, I think there's some interesting connections here because you know, we've got Trump, we've got Putin being involved since, you know, these indictments have to mm-hmm. deal with kind of contact with Russia. And now we have Maduro. And there's this, these three characters in our, let's call it a Shakespearean tragedy. If right we were now. to have a small company production based on the foreign affairs currently going down, it would probably be like three friends, Putin, Donald, and Nick, who like got a little drunk at the bar last night and they were buddies with Bill. It's like, uh, he's a strong man, but he might not be our strong man anymore. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's just an odd production at this mm-hmm. point because I, I don't even know what it what it is yeah. a- anymore. It's like, you know, the potential Trump-Putin collusion, but now the, the Putin and Maduro connection against mm. Trump. I mean, this is just an odd state of world affairs. Well, perhaps it's miming a clash because... We have grouped them together, but I think it's important to note that Putin does seem to be the competent one in control in all this, because his country is not obviously spinning out underneath him. I do not mean to speak to the qualities of the Russian government at this moment, but they don't seem to be flailing as much as we are. Yeah, it's interesting. With with President Trump, he has had an ineffective 35-day shutdown where he's now accept terms he refused in December. And now we're looking at another shutdown in less time than that shutdown lasted. So they're saying they're going to be able to negotiate a deal in Congress in three weeks weeks. that they couldn't touch upon in those four weeks. And... 
if we don't have a deal at the end of those 30 weeks, the president has said he will be open to declaring a national emergency and using funds from the Department of Defense, the American military, to, to build, build this the wall. wall. And so what much is, like... What does that sound like? Well, much like him potentially intervening in Venezuela, seeing it as a way he can have unilateral action and control the narrative, if he used the U.S. military to build the wall... It's similarly appealing to the military resources to give an outside sense of control on the precedent taking action and doing stuff. Interesting. So we have three uh, political leaders, each of them the leaders of their country, and their power essentially rests entirely on the military at this point. And in two cases, uh, increasing ill will from the actual populace. Ill will and national stability. And I think... Pressure from the international community as well. Yep. I think an important note is in the first two years of the presidency of Donald J. Trump, he was able to stabilize and balance out, I felt, largely when John Kelly joined the White House team, Mm. moving from Secretary of Homeland Security to Chief of Staff. And he was able to provide a lot of control and order in how the White House operated. At the same time, you had another very stoic Marine veteran, James Mattis, as the head of the Department of Defense. And these are both figures that left the Trump administration at the end of 2018, but announced they were leaving shortly before the shutdown. And I think that lack of discipline surrounding Trump really led to this shutdown and has led to him losing so much momentum, not that his administration ever had large legislative direction coming from them or had momentum in the first place. Right. Yeah, but, there's didn't seem like... I, I mean, it, it took him two years while he had the Republican Congress, and yet he still didn't go for the wall until he lost it. Yes. He also didn't repeal Obamacare, but they did get the tax law in yeah, place, so he got which one largely thing came from Paul Ryan. And they got the criminal justice reform, which also didn't come from the White House, though Jared was a good, like, wingman for that bill, I guess. Mm, Good terminology for that. Thank you. We're amateurs. Yeah, wingman. Good stuff. And so just as Trump has lost James Mattis and John Kelly and arguably has less of that military tie and influence, it seems his best steps forward for having... A national direction are either in military intervention in Venezuela or using the army to build the wall. Wow. Which plays right into that totalitarian trajectory that you see when we zoom out to see those three rulers, Putin, Nick, and Donnie. Uh, well, it, it's kind of a clear trajectory because it seems like all most of the, you know, leading figures and a lot of the countries, powerful countries in the world kind of are going totalitarian in a way. Mm-hmm um china looking totalitarian yeah these days their military aerospace complex has landed on the far side of the moon meanwhile our government was closed for no reason for over a month yeah i think there's some interesting political theory things going on which is that you know post i don't want to get too broad here at the end but just kind of there's no hot take at the end oh it's not we have to intersperse lukewarm takes throughout oh yeah well just a just a thing to think about, not necessarily the, uh, you know, this is the truth, this is what it is, but kind of, uh, you know, 
1991, Soviet Union falls, and then it's declared the end of history, right? Because now everyone's kind of a democratic, free market system, or essentially. Or so it seemed back in the Seinfeld days. Exactly. So it seemed back in the 90s. And yet now it's kind of coming out, a lot of these systems, a lot of, it's kind of looking more like totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. you know we were just very optimistic back in the 90s yeah all these kind of systems it's like oh china was a uh communist state looking less communist more, to- more totalitarian mm-hmm. russia looking very totalitarian and kind of has since the 90s the united states looking more totalitarian than it ever has and less effective than ever oh yeah it's an interesting turn of the world well i look forward to joining you again to track the totalitarian trends and see how it's ticking in the coming weeks this has been henry minot joined by percy calendar we look forward to checking back in with you next time for this week in our american republic thank you for listening and please reach out by facebook or email Mm